Maybe you don't have chocolate stains on your Bible while you're trying to do a Bible study. Hello, listener. It's my job today to introduce your soon-to-be favorite podcaster. At least your favorite podcast when you're on a trip that's a little longer than usual and you've already burned through all the new episodes of your other favorite podcast. She's soon to be your new favorite podcaster. She's a woman who's accomplished many things in her life. She's published a novel. She served in the U.S. military. She's owned her own business. She started numerous blogs, one of which almost had three postings. And she's got a problem with cursing, but she's working on it. She'll steal your heart while she's stealing your Wi-Fi. She's the mother of my children and the yin to my yang. And truly, hopefully, your yang as well. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, Crystal Petrello. When I was in high school, I did Young Life. If anybody doesn't know what that is, it's like an interdenominational Christian group that does outreach in the high schools. And... Because I wasn't raised Catholic, the first time I really ever remember hearing of Lent was when I saw one of my fellow young lifers with a dirty forehead on Ash Wednesday. So she told me about what all of this was and what Lent was. And I was like, so you get a second chance in New Year's resolutions? I truly, I don't think... I had heard about Lent until I was in high school. I grew up in a non-denominational family, so I just thought Lent was some weird purgatory that only Catholics do. So that is why I wanted to do this episode today to talk about what Lent is and why it's actually a really neat thing to do to prepare for the Easter season. I think of it as like Advent. It should be a fun, exciting time as we prepare for Easter, just like we have this fun, exciting time for Advent that we then help to focus on Christmas. You know, it's a lot more solemn um, if you think about it in a heart of repentance for Easter to prepare. So first of all, Lent is one of the oldest observations in the Christian calendar. Um, It started in about 130 AD, and it used to only be about three days long, and over time it got extended into 40 days. And we'll explain um, how that kind of history went a little bit later. But the 40 days were meant to reflect on how the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years, how this period of sacrifice um, can help us overcome sin, practice self-control and discipline, with the whole purpose about being restored in a relationship with God and showing our dependence on him. This period of barrenness in the desert taught his people to rely on him. We also think of 40 days to commemorate how Jesus spent 40 days in the desert and he was tempted and then he started his public ministry. So let's read the verses that kind of go over this in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And I'm just going to give an abbreviated version, but this comes from the New English Translation. I think the first couple sentences really setting up 
what's going on here. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the Holy Spirit brought Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was famished. The tempter came and said to him. So I think I thought that this temptation came in the 40 days, within that 40-day period. But what I'm really starting to see is was at the end, when he was at his weakest. I think about how after 40 days and 40 nights being famished, then you're tempted. And I think about how I start to get hangry and my emotions go all over over the place. And that's only without food for maybe a few hours. So I can only imagine in this human body, how Jesus, that weakness that we feel, but sometimes we can be strengthened in fasting and in prayer. Here, Jesus is Holy Spirit with him, but then he, you know, he's famished, he's tempted. And then at the very end, it says in verse 11, then the devil left him and the angels came and began ministering to his needs. So he's famished, he passes the temptation we should say we could say and the devil left him and the angels came and began ministering to his needs. So we're commemorating this this solidarity solidarity with this human weakness, the common denominator, right, of him being a man strengthened by fasting and prayer. So the purpose is to give something up so that, and it doesn't have to necessarily be food, but to allow time and space for us to become closer with Christ. Now for some fun little history and traditions. I thought, remember, was not raised Catholic, that Fat Tuesday was really meant to be like Sin Tuesday and hurry up and get it all out of your system, like Rumspringer or something like that. You were meant to just like get it all out of your system before <laughs> you had to then fast for 40 days. But Fat Tuesday is actually called Fat Tuesday, not because we're supposed to gorge ourselves on whatever sin it is. It's was originally Fat Tuesday called Fat Tuesday because it was meant during a time that we didn't have refrigeration to clear the home of any delicious or high fat or perishable foods such as meat, dairy, and get rid of this cheese and the butter and the eggs and consume them and utilize them. Hence, they're higher in fat. They're going to go rancid during that 40 days. So somehow we have to get it out of our house because it's going to go bad anyways. We don't want to be tempted to consume it. But we want to consume it all on before this all happened. Back when we spoke about Advent, there was this idea that pagan cultures kind of inter- intermingled with the gospel of Christ to be able to help a culture better accept and understand Christ and the meaning. You also see this during around Fat Tuesday and Mardi Gras. The original thought was is that the eggs were decorated and all that as part of a celebration for the God of fertility. But the other idea might be is we're using those eggs that we were going to throw away anyways on Fat Tuesday and we are 
going to color them and make something beautiful for the home. So take it as you want, but I think it's interesting that there might be kind of a couple stories to go along with why we make these colored eggs. Some famous foods we get around this time. Um, we got the Polish, I, I always have a difficult time saying it, Paziki, P-A-C-Z-K-I. So the Polish Paziki. I live in Cleveland, Ohio, so we have a large Eastern European population. So we see those more often, especially at our donut shops, because they're essentially a filled donut. Uh, we also get the King cake, which is always fun because there's supposed to be a little plastic baby in there. And whoever finds the little plastic baby has to bring the cake next year, which these can these can get rather expensive. They're really colorful. They're really pretty. You got to be careful not to actually chew on the baby. But I always wanted to get the baby because I wanted it with my dolls. I don't think I correlated that Mardi Gras had anything to do um, maybe with Easter but it was around the same season and I wanted the baby to have with my baby dolls when I was a kid. And then there's the fish fry. I mean, I married a man who was raised Catholic. And I remember the first time coming to Cleveland with him during the Easter season and we went to a church and had fried fish and beer. And I said to my new family, if somebody would have told me about beer and fish fry, I would have probably been in a Catholic church sooner because, I mean, like fried fish and beer, I'm going to go home and sleep for sure. I love fried fish. I can't do beer anymore. I'm too old. I just fall asleep. But anyways, loving this. The neat thing about it is you can see other people. If that's the church that you go to, you can fasting and prayer as a community and come together on Friday and, and have a meal that's all set up. If anything, I just love going with my family and watching my kids just enjoy the season. I enjoy a good fish fry, Catholic or not. So then we get to Ash Wednesday. So we've had Fat Tuesday. We get to Ash Wednesday. About 600 AD, they started doing the ashes on the forehead as a biblical symbol of repentance. So you think about the sackcloth and ashes that they talk about in the Bible throughout Genesis, Deuteronomy, and Matthew. So this is that Ash Wednesday kind of marking the beginning of the season. The actual 40 days goes from Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday. So we think this year in 2023, it's February 22nd through April 6th. But what is the purpose of Lent? The purpose of Lent is that self-examination and penance does not mean punishment, but penance, a holy reverence for God and asking for forgiveness, demonstrated by self-denial in preparation for Easter. It's meant to be that self-sacrifice to open up time to be able to spend more time focusing on Christ. So it's not meant to be self-punishment or extreme hardship. In fact, if it doesn't point to Jesus, if it doesn't bring you closer to Christ, it's not worth the sacrifice. The basic concept of repentance is if we look at Psalm 51, I encourage you to actually read Psalm 51. And if you are someone who likes to read through the scripture, or hasn't done it before, 
read through Psalm 51 as the in this time of season of prayer. Read and pray through it. This is the psalm that is right after Nathan goes to David and tells him a and can he gets David gets the conviction of the sin of him sleeping with Bathsheba. So this is a psalm, a song of repentance. But the purpose is these sacrifices that we have, these things we remove and decrease in our life should be with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And I think it's hard to wrap our heads around this in today's culture because we are so focused on phrases like, you do you, whatever makes you happy, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. When this personal happiness, this realization of our life goals and our personal fulfillment without focusing on Christ, when these things about you do you become replacements for the cross, this is where we have a problem. Any life philosophy that prevents true brokenness and true reverence for God and puts ourselves first prevents true worship of God. So I look at Isaiah 66, 2, and God says, I show special favor to the humble and contrite who respect what I have to say. We move to Matthew 5, 3 through 4 in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I'm going to add verse 5. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. And verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Replacing the hungers of the flesh with the hunger of what God has for us in our lives and making those our chief goals. All of this brings me to what are the spiritual disciplines of Lent then? It's not just fasting. It's not just giving something up. It's giving something up to provide room for prayer, and to also help the poor. I really want to focus more on the fasting component and giving up room, but helping the poor is something that I this year have tried to work into what I am fasting on. So I'll explain what I'm fasting on just to be able to share an idea, not to Definitely not to say that this is the best idea for everybody, but my weakness and what I gave up for Lent to maybe give you an idea. Like I said before, fasting and Lent started around 138 AD. It used to be only those three days preparing for Easter. Fasting isn't 100% not eating. It was basically one meal a day and you didn't have um, animal products at all that evening when you finally did eat. So you wouldn't eat very much, you wouldn't eat at all, and then you'd have a meal in the evening. And that slowly relaxed to maybe only fasting nowadays on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. 
but really a, this strict law of actually food fasting from food stopped during World War II. We gave up a lot of things and a lot of the world changed during World War II as women went back to work. We were busy. We needed nutrition to be able to not only fight wars, but to work. So we started to see a lot of things get relaxed during World War II. The purpose of fasting isn't necessarily from food. The purpose is to give up habits that are not per se sinful, but things that distract us from God and we attempt to fill that hole or distract us from the things of God that only he can satisfy. Separated from these things, the goal, what we hope, is that we recognize not only how much we need God, but actually hunger and thirst for him. These can be simple luxuries, simple pleasures, such as sweet treats, uh, chocolate, but even things that take time, like social media. And it's the idea that we're fostering simplicity, balance, self-control. So more ideas on this later. But we don't fast specifically when it comes to food fasting, whether you fast from food or foods during this season, or if this is a common practice you wanted to start picking up. I am going to be doing more podcasts on fasting in the future. I would be remiss as a dietitian, if I did not talk about fasting as a biblical spiritual discipline for our bodies and for ourself, but I'm still learning more about it too. So we're going to find more about that later when I feel led by the Spirit to share that with you. And I'm really interested to see where God takes me on that. To be determined, But the whole thing that I really want to talk about with fasting here is we don't fast because food is evil or because our bodies are evil. We fast so we can be more attentive to the desires of the things of God. We look at Matthew 6.24 here. Again, this is in the New English Translation. And in 6.24 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And if time is money, my idea is to give up something that's going to free up time in my fast so that I can focus more on Christ. Fasting is a means, but not the end. We want to approach it as an experiment in grace. We're not perfect. We might fail here and there over the 40 days, but the purpose is to create in our souls space to feast on the presence of Jesus. Look for God's grace to meet you in this space because we are not perfect. Fasting is a way to detach from something that you have realized maybe you're overattached to and to deny something in order to increase your spiritual awareness and strengthen your commitment to God. What are some things that we could give up? If you haven't thought of something already, I'm going to give you some ideas. Some things we could give up. I get these ideas from ChristianityToday.com because what 
I could brainstorm to give up for Lent might not even hit somebody else's radar and vice versa. So I looked these up. I specifically want to give some ideas for food and fasting. So you could fast on meat for 40 days. The benefit to this is, is you might drop your cholesterol a little bit. So that would be nice. Dropping soda. So any or any type of added sugar in that way. Pizza or takeout, fast food, dining out. We know that that only frees up money, but that frees up all the time that you might be sitting there longer to eat. Maybe give up a meal once a week or once a day or a snack to free up the ability to have some time to do a Bible study. So we're freeing up cash and calories on some of these ideas. Maybe alcohol, if you find that you wonder if you're going to be able to make it to church on Sunday, maybe give up alcohol on Saturday nights. And then snacks, do you eat between meals that is not healthy? Maybe swapping that out for a healthier snack so that you feel better and maybe you don't have chocolate stains on your Bible while you're trying to do a Bible study during your snack because it's Lent. Another thing we could fast from that I think is a large challenge in our culture today is any type of screen time. If you find that you're on social media instead of reading your Bible in bed, we do know as a wellness professional that social media before bed and screen time in general right before bed does affect our sleep. I think of giving up video games or putting timers on video games any type of screen time, whatever you feel and you see that you you could give up that time and actually give it over to God for 40 days, see where that goes. I know people who give up Facebook for 40 days who I gasped when one of my friends said that they were giving up Facebook for 40 days because, yeah, this person practically lives on Facebook. So that's huge. I am giving up shopping, any extraneous shopping outside of buying basic needs. I love looking at websites and not necessarily buying things, but perusing, almost like it's my own personal Pinterest. And I find that I spend a lot of time doing this. The other thing is, is there's good things that can cross over into obsessions. So I like to save money and go thrift store shopping. And the line is, is maybe that takes up too much of my time. So I have given up for the season shopping online and going to thrift stores and bargain hunting, or as my daughter likes to call it, and I like to call it treasure hunting. During these 40 days, I am spending less time shopping and freeing up that space. But taking it a step further, I have challenged myself As you can imagine with what I just said, I have way too many clothes. I've challenged myself to take it a step further and helping the poor. So remember how that was one of the three spiritual disciplines, prayer, helping the poor and fasting. I challenge you if you're giving up something in this way or you feel you have an abundance of clutter of something to give things away, to bring things to thrift stores. I have to purge my closet of at least one item a day 
over Lent. So I've already started my pile and I can visualize it, I can see it, um, and I grab something and I see something every day I can grab. So that can be either a clothing item, that can be a jewelry item, or if you just have a lot of clutter around the house, maybe encourage your kids that they got to get rid of so many toys during the season. Remember how we did that in Advent so we could get rid of stuff that we don't use from our house. By this point, you might have realized that several of the gifts your kids got for Christmas, they're not using anymore. So maybe get rid of those. Um, so this might be another period of kind of just purging that clutter that clutters your mind in your life. The whole idea is to try something that is going to free up time and space in your life to focus on Christ. One of the things you, I really encourage you to do is read at least once Psalm 51 to show you David's contrite heart, his, his true heart that is convicted and he knows he has done something wrong. Even though he's the king and it was an acceptable thing during this period in history, he knows that as a man of God, a man who chases after God's heart, that he has done something wrong and he is convicted. And Nathan basically calls him out and says, I, I, you, you got to get this right. We got to get this right with God. So read through Psalm 51. And if you are one who wants to try reading through the Psalms, really calling upon the Holy Spirit to convict you and help you to clean up and, and being humble in that sense. But this is also a time of glorious, glorious, glorious joy as we prepare ourselves for a time that we get to see that God has given his only son for us to die for us so that we can spend a holy, perfect eternity in his presence, out of the presence of sin, and just have so much hope in this life and for thereafter in eternity. Next podcast, we will talk about as it is March, it is National Nutrition Month. And I might also add National Dietitian Day is in this month. We are going to talk about the theme of National Nutrition Month and what true nutrition and balance and teaching our children our future about nutrition looks like, because we know we can do better for health and prevention and helping to feed the bodies, not only spiritually as we talk about here, but feed the bodies with food as we are raising the next generation. Thank you so much for joining Faith, Food, and Family today with myself, Crystal Petrello. (laughs) 